read you a story. And I don't read a whole lot of stories here in, in church. I don't read a ton of stories. But this one uh, came across my desk. Had a few things come across my desk this week. And I wanted to share with you this story. Uh, if you've been here the past few weeks, then you know we're in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is a time where we give the first uh, part of our year to the Lord. And then uh, uh, not just that, but we position ourselves to hear from him get direction from him I mean I don't want to just I don't want to just wind up somewhere at the end of 2017 I want to get there on purpose right I want to know that that I got where he wanted me to get so in, in doing that we take this time to detox or or, or reboot our system and uh, that has a lot to do with uh, your spirit, your soul, and your body. And if you've, if you've gone through some of this fasting, your, your body, things kind of change a little bit depending upon what you're fasting. If you fasted coffee, is anybody that brave? No, nobody that brave, huh? <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> Please forgive us. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, you can have anything, but not Juan Valdez. It's like, Juan is all mine. But whatever, so, so your body kind of goes through some stuff. There's different things. And, and we've taken a Sunday and we talked about uh, our body last week. We talked about our spirit. Uh, if you want 2017 to be the best year you've ever had, you need to uh, invest in your spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. Today I want to talk about the soul. And uh, that's, that's the part of you that is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, uh, your memories. And your soul does go with you to heaven. But, but how many of y'all know your mind, it still needs some work? How many of y'all know you can get saved on Sunday and be in, in, in your mind mentally? There's some things there that you're going to have to work on. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, and and I've, I've made this quote before, your, 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 your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. So in other words, every day, you know, you have the challenge of, of uh, taking the mind of Christ. I mean, I know Jesus said, he says, I'm offering you my mind. I'm offering you my thoughts. But he says, you have to take the mind of Christ and you have to renew your mind to certain things. Because you can feel whipped and defeated. But if you'll renew your mind to the strength that's in you in Christ Jesus. That you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You renew your mind to those things and things change. Things, things get changed financially. You can, you can be a certain way, but if you'll renew your mind to the truth of the Word of God, that He'll supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, that He's your shepherd and He goes before you and He leads you and brings you to green pastures, then you can change your mind about certain things and it can make a tremendous impact. And really, it's the difference between a, a many times winning and losing. If you've ever watched boxing growing up, my daddy liked to watch boxing. That used to be the biggest sport, you know, was, was watching people like Sugar Ray Leonard. How many of y'all remember Sugar Ray Leonard? And my generation was Mike Tyson. Iron Mike whipped you before he ever got you in the ring. They showed up whipped. I mean, I know, I mean, I know what I'm talking about. If you, if you know anything about Mike Tyson, it was just, <laughs> why? Well, because within 30 or 40 seconds, uh, you're going to take a dirt nap. How many of y'all know what a dirt nap is? <laughs> Iron Mike's going to come unhinged. And uh, he's going to put you on the pavement. So he would, he would intimidate. He would whip people before they ever got in the ring. And sometimes mentally we can, we can whip ourselves. But if we renew our, renew our mind and we take up the mind of Christ, then it helps us win in life. And all, and all this has to do with the main thing I want to talk about today is, is attitude. And, 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 and 
when it comes to attitude, we, we, we're familiar with motivational speakers and we're familiar with, with great uh, uh, positive attitude stories. The best movie I've seen recently was Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know if anybody saw Hacksaw Ridge, but, but I cried and, I, and I'm a grown man. Uh, but just the story, if you don't know anything, just the grit of that guy, the mental fortitude, just his attitude uh, carrying 75 people off that mountain. I mean, just an amazing story. So, so we love all of those types of, of, of things. We love those overcoming attitudes. How I many of y'all know you can have a great attitude and still not have a godly attitude? You can have a you can have a positive attitude, but but it not necessarily be a godly attitude. And I want to show you a passage of scripture that's gonna that's gonna break this down for us. But first, I want to read this story because we've all been in contact with people like this. It says Michael is the kind of guy you love to hate. He's always in a good mood. I mean, I know anybody like that. <laughs> My wife. Uh, <laughs> golly. <laughs> She's up here. She's like, I got saved at 19. I'm thinking, you act like you've never sinned in your life. You're just like an, a living angel to me. I mean, she's so like pure and kind and sweet and encouraging. And it can get annoying. Uh, <laughs> just throwing it out there. Let's just get real. Like Michael, it should say, Elizabeth was the kind of gal. <laughs> just kidding. She's not in here today, so I can do all this. Uh, it says he's always in a good mood. He always has something positive to say. And when someone would ask him how he's doing, he would reply, if I were any better, I'd be twins. He was a natural motivator. If an employee had a bad day, Michael was there telling the employee how to work on the how to look on the positive side of the situation. Seeing this style really made me curious. So one day I asked Michael, I don't get it. You can't be a positive person all the time. How do you do it? And Michael replied, every morning I wake up and I say to myself, Mike, you have two choices today. You can choose to be in a good mood or you can choose to be in a bad mood. And each time something bad happens, I choose, I can choose to be the victim or I can choose to accept, uh, uh, or I can choose not to accept it and, have, and look on the positive side of life. He says, I point out the positive side of life. Uh, life. Yeah, right. It's not that easy. I protested. Yes, it is. Michael said life is about choices. When you cut away all the junk, every situation is a choice. You choose how to react to situations. You choose how people affect your mood. You choose to be in a good mood or a bad mood. The bottom line is it's your choice how you live life. I reflected on what Michael said, and soon after, I left the cell tower industry to start my own business. We lost touch, but I heard that Michael was involved in a serious accident, falling 60 feet from a communication tower. After 18 hours of surgery and weeks of intensive care, Michael was released from the hospital with rods in his back. And I saw Michael about six months after the accident, and I asked him how he was. He replied, if I was any better, I'd be twins. Want to see my scars? I declined to see his wounds, but I did ask him what went through his mind as the accident took place. He said, the first thing that went through my mind was the well-being of my soon-to-be-born daughter. And then, as I lay on the ground, I remember that I had two choices. I could choose to live, or I could choose to die. I choose to live. Weren't you scared? Didn't you lose consciousness? 
uh, I asked. He says, yes, the, the paramedics were great and they kept telling me I was going to be fine. But when they wheeled me into the ER, I saw the expression on the faces of the doctors and nurses and I got really scared. In their eyes, it read, he is a dead man and I knew I needed to take action. So what did you do? Well, he said, well, there was a big burly nurse shouting questions at me. And she asked if I was allergic to anything. Yes, I replied. And the doctors and nurses stopped working as they waited for my reply. I took a deep breath and I yelled, gravity. It's kind of funny. Huh? <laughs> kind of funny. Over the laughter, Michael told them, he says, I'm choosing to live. Operate on me as if I'm alive, not dead. Michael lived thanks to the skill of his doctors, but also because of his amazing attitude. And I've learned from him every day we have a choice to live fully. So we're familiar with stories like this. It's a great story. Right? I love the gravity. And uh, his attitude had a lot to do with the outcome, right? His attitude really affected the people that were working on him, changed their it brought them up to a level of possibility that they were on a lower level, but his, his attitude really elevated them. So from, we're familiar with these types of attitudes, but again, you can have a great attitude, but still be lacking other real fundamental things that I believe God wants us to have. And I think sometimes we, we hear motivational speakers and stories and they elevate our attitude to have winning great attitudes. But the most famous sermon that it was ever preached was preached by a man named Jesus. Maybe you've heard of him. And uh, he preached this sermon in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, he laid out eight, eight attitudes that we should carry not just an overcoming winning attitude, but I believe that these are fundamental attitudes. And we know them as the Beatitudes. So I want to give you uh, eight, there's eight of them, uh, eight attitudes of the Beatitudes. Is what, I, is what I want to give you this morning. And I want to look at uh, the, the attitudes that Jesus said that, that, we, should, that, that, we, should, that we should carry with us. Because we're talking about the, one of the reasons that we're doing this fast is, is, is it's a detox or it's a, it's a soul thing that we're bringing our mind, we're bringing our attitudes back in line with some of the, 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 or the tenets or of the Word of God. Because some of y'all know sometimes boundaries can get skewed. Whenever we built this building, uh, our neighbor had, had a fence up and that fence was uh, 25 feet on our property and uh, he didn't know it and I didn't know it well then there, there became a conflict right because over the years there there was a, a boundary line that wasn't quite maintained so the 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 survey people they come out and they put stakes up and that stakes they show they show the boundaries right how many y'all know stakes fall down how many ever gotten a survey before and it's like after like six months, you're like, where's my property again? It's like, I paid like $600 for that survey and I still don't know where I live. I've done that several times, right? So that's why they bury metal rods out there so that they can take a metal detector and they can say, this is, this is the boundary, right? This is, this is where we need to be. And through fasting and through the word of God, we, we take our soul and we say, this is where we need to be. 
God gives us the, the resource of the word of God to say, this is where, this is where we need to be. But sometimes we, we kind of, the, the boundary gets skewed, right? You're just not quite sure. And the muddy, the, the water gets kind of muddy. But we take times whenever we recenter our body, we recenter our spirit, and we recenter this morning our soul. So I want to look at these eight Beatitudes. So they're going to put it up on the screen here in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, they're going to put it up in NIV is what, what, what you guys could put it up. But I'm, I'm going to read a couple of portions of it. Because the, the very first thing that God, I believe, wants you to get out of the Beatitudes is the word blessed. Everybody say blessed. I love that first word. And just to give you t- some uh, ideas of what the word blessed literally means. It means spiritually prosperous. It means happy. It means to be admired. Really good. It means to be forgiven, refreshed by God's grace. It means to be inwardly peaceful, spiritually secure, and worthy of respect. It means to be joyful, nourished by God's goodness. It means anticipating God's presence. I'm just waiting on God's presence to show up. It means to be spiritually calm with life joy. It means having God's favor. It means to be spiritually mature. You didn't know one word could mean so much, did you? But whenever whenever God pronounces a blessing or whenever he speaks a blessing, it's not just like uh, a a, a small thing. And and I don't have time to go into it. But if you look in the Old Testament, whenever they would bless people, that's really what they were saying was, was, God, I'm pronouncing all of these things. And Jesus steps up. The most famous sermon he ever preached. And the first thing he wants to get in your soul is blessed. God's called you to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed. He sees you as blessed. Whether you ever see yourself as blessed or not. But you have to renew your mind to that fact. I'm blessed. God's blessed me. He died for me. If I was the only one on the planet. He would have died for me. He loves me. He gave his only begotten son for me. I'm blessed. I'm to be admired. I'm to be respected. Not because of what I am. But because of who lives in me. Blessed. But then he breaks down who the blessed people are. What attitudes does a blessed person have? Is it just that that you can overcome a 60 foot fall? No, no, no. The first attitude he says here. And what what I want you to see is he says blessed. Are the poor in spirit. I've given you some blanks there. And if you want to write poor in spirit you can. But I want to give you the interpretation. Is what I really want you to write in there. Because whenever we think of poor in spirit. We immediately think of poverty. But he doesn't say blessed are the poor. He says blessed are the poor in spirit. So really what blessed of the poor in spirit means. Is just the word humble. First thing he says right out the gate, you have to recognize if, if you want the, the attitude that you have to carry is I must decrease. He must increase. In him I live and move and have my being. In him I was created and through him I exist. Outside of him I'm nothing. With him I can do anything. But the very first attitude he says you just need to go ahead and settle the fact that he is everything. He's my all in all. I don't have any problem telling you. He, I, I'm, I'm, I start out at zero with him. And whenever you have that attitude of humility, you're teachable. And you've positioned yourself to where you say, God, I'm teachable. Teach me. Show me the path. Show me which way to walk. Show me how to deal with people. So the first one he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, just means blessed are the people that are humble. 
He says, if you'll humble yourself under my mighty hand, he says, I will exalt you in due season. So before you can go up, you got to go low. And a lot of times, you know, my, my pastor told this illustration for years and I love it. I'll give it to you. Is he was watching a hunting channel and some of you hunt. And some of you know about bows and arrows and this big, beautiful buck walked out. How sweet. Uh, a big, beautiful buck walked out and this guy takes his bow and he draws down on him. And whenever he shoots uh, that buck squats and I don't know if you've ever seen if you've ever bow hunted before Tommy you know exactly what I'm talking about he jumped the string and that means that buck just he dropped about three inches and the arrow went right over his back and 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 for us what that means for us is if we'll learn how to drop how many y'all know the Bible says the devil's always firing what fiery darts right and people come into church and they all shot up Right, he just got arrows all over the place. And they're like, stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding. I'm like, get around them, everybody, get around. On the count of three, we're going to rip all these arrows out of them. But I mean, I know if, if you'll drop, if you'll, if, you'll, if you'll acknowledge him in all your ways, he'll direct your path. Right, you say, you say I, I, I'm expecting you to direct my path because I'm poor in spirit. So number one, poor in spirit. So that's an attitude, not just a winning attitude, but an attitude of I'm not just a winner. I'm a winner in Christ. He makes me a winner. Next, he says, is the, the, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The next one, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, again, immediately we think of mourning as somebody died. But we never consider here, if you read in the Amplified, he says, blessed are those who mourn through repentance. Really interesting. How many have ever, how many have ever sinned and you've really felt bad about it? You mourned over it. You wept over it. So it starts out, he says, not only God are you my all in all, but I recognize that that I need a savior and I, I repent. I'm sorry for what I did. And he says, for those people are the ones who will be comforted. Where does that comfort come from? The Bible says that whenever we confess our faults, he's faithful and just to cleanse us. How many of y'all know there's comfort in the cleansing. Come on, you can come in dirty to church and leave in, leave cleansed. I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me. So the second attitude is just an attitude of repentance. That's a, that, so that, that's an attitude he's wanting us to get. He's, he says, I want you to, to be poor in spirit, but also want, he says, blessed are the people that carry this. God, God I don't want to hurt your heart. God, I don't want to live unpleasing to you. He said, those are the people that will be comforted. Number three, he says, blessed are the meek. And on your line there, meek just means blessed are the people that have the heart of a servant. Blessed are the meek. People that show up saying, I'm not here to see what I can get. I'm here to see what I can give. People that come to church. And I'm so proud of this church. We have 73 people on our go team. That's a lot of stinking people on our go team. What's the go team? That's, that's 73 people that just said, you know what? I'm not here to see what I can get. I'm here to see, hey, how can I, even if it's only once a month or once every six weeks, I'm here to take up the form. The Bible says we need to imitate God. How many of you know Jesus? He says, he, he says, I make myself of no reputation. He says, I, I, he, he took off his robe and he put on an apron and he washed their feet. What's he doing? And he says, and so as you've seen me do, you do 
likewise. So here he says, blessed are the people that are meek or the people that, that have an attitude of, I'm here to serve. Whatever you want me to do, whatever, however you need me to help, whatever you want me to do, Jesus, I'll, I'll just do it. I have the attitude of a servant. Number four, these attitudes we're just bringing in line. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, in the middle of a fast, I probably don't have to talk to you a whole lot about hungry. Right? <laughs> I know for a fact. I don't have to say a ton about hunger. But here, he's talking about blessed are people who are spiritually hungry. Are you as spiritually hungry today as you were when you first got saved? How many of you remember what it was like when you first got saved? Man, you got, your, you got your Gideon's Bible in the back pocket. Gideon's Bible on that side. You got some tracks on this side. And you're just hoping to come across anybody. You're just like, my God, I'm going to give them the best John 3.16 I got. You're just like, you're just like a bulldog, man. You're just, you're just feasting. I mean, I know that's an attitude that we need to, we need to get out our, our metal detector and find that boundary again. God said, he says, there's a blessing with the attitude of just saying, God, I'm still hungry for you. And, and, and even if you're not, even if you say, I've lost some of that. You know, whenever I was in Bible college, there was a lady that, that got up and spoke one time. And she says, you need, uh, uh, are you hungry for God? And I thought, no, not really. I'm, I'm really not. I kind of want to be out doing what I used to be doing because I would thought I was having a lot of fun. But she made a statement. She says, if you're not hungry for God, start declaring, I'm hungry for God. Just start saying that. So over the course of the next month or two, just at random times during the day, I would tell God, I'd say, God, I'm hungry for you. God, I'm thirsty for you. As the deer panteth for the waters, so my soul longeth after you because I wasn't hungry for God but I wanted to be and I knew that it was a valuable thing and sure enough blessed are those who hunger so maybe you're sitting here and you say man I ain't been to church in six months I can tell you for sure I'm hungry for some Cheetos some Cheetos I will have but maybe you hear you say you say you know I've, I've never been in really God's presence I've never I've never experienced that that I'd encourage you to just start to say you know I'm not just hungry for success I'm not just hungry for this or for that I'm hungry for God because he says blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled everybody say filled so spiritually hunger the next one he says blessed are the merciful so they shall receive mercy a great attitude is not just a winning attitude. It's an attitude of Jesus said in his most popular sermon. The attitude of mercy. Mercy. How many of y'all know many times we're the most unmerciful to the people closest to us? Right? It seems like my wife gets the worst of my attitude. Well. Hey man. I mean I know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes, sometimes we give the people the closest to us. Uh, uh, we give everybody else mercy. We're merciful with everybody else, but we're not as merciful with certain people. But, but how many y'all know? How many y'all glad that God's merciful? Come on, the Bible says that every day you wake up on this planet, His mercies are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness, which is nice because some of you use up all of God's mercies. Myself included. God has to replenish his mercies every day just for me. 
just for me. He says, I'm going to have to do a new batch. Reload. All right, we're ready. New mercies you wake up to every day. And so, so in your blank there, it's mercy, but it's also forgiveness. Blessed are people. Blessed are people that, that are merciful. Blessed are people that, that just give mercy. I was taught years ago, it says, uh, always err on the side of mercy and not on judgment. And you better give a lot of mercy because you are going to need it. I mean, I know I found that to be true. I need mercy, so I need to give mercy. Blessed are the merciful. The next one is, he says, blessed are the makers or are the peacemakers. Now, you know, there's a gun called the peacemaker. I'm not sure that's what Jesus meant here. (laughs) Blessed are those that come with the peacemaker, right? I come in peace. But here he actually means, he says, blessed are the peacemakers or blessed are people that I believe, uh, the, the way the Lord gave it to me, is people that carry peace in their soul. God wants you to carry peace in your soul. How many of y'all know there's a blessing? How many of y'all know the opposite of a peacemaker is a confusion maker, a chaos maker, a strife maker? They messy. How many of know what messy means? They messy. But God says people that come in peace, they say, hey, I'm coming, I bring, I bring peace. I mean, I know it's just good to be around people like that. But he says not just that, but to, but to have the attitude of a peacemaker. In my home, I'm a peacemaker. That's my job. That's my responsibility. On the job, I'm a peacemaker. I'm not stirring stuff up. I'm putting stuff out. I'm a peacemaker. That's what I do. That's an attitude that we have to carry. He says the blessing. There's a blessing for people that are peacemakers. Two more. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Pure in heart. What, what's pure in heart mean? Well, pure in heart, uh, you, you could say a lot of things about it. But to me, really, pure in heart are people that, that are authentic, are, are real, non-hypocritical. I mean, I know because you can, you can act on the outside real good. Or at church, you can act one way. But, but, but your motives really aren't pure. Not pure in heart. But for us, I mean, I know God are look, that people are looking for authentic people. People are looking for real people, normal people, people whose motives are pure, whose attitudes are pure. And Jesus here, he says, this is that attitude, my, my, my lead sermon I want you to go with. He says, he says, I want you to be a peacemaker. Next one, he says, blessed, blessed are those oh, I skipped one. I'm sorry. I, I just got them out of order, but you've got them. It doesn't matter. The peacemaker. People that are pure in heart. The last one is, should be number eight. Am I right? Last one, he says, blessed are those that are persecuted. Blessed, as he says, are people who suffer for my name's sake. And there's lots of forms of persecution, right? We're self-persecuting ourselves with fasting. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. I can see it on your face. You're like, yes, I am persecuted today. <laughs> been persecuting myself for 14 days but but there's so there's different forms of persecution what I want you to put in your in your blank though is people that are eternally minded because to be persecuted Jesus said he said they hated me they'll hate you they talked about me they're going to talk about you they persecuted me they will persecute you but he says but I'm going to prepare a place for you In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus is basically saying, regardless of what anybody does to you. In Hebrews chapter 8, it says that that mothers lost their sons 
that people were burned alive. Their heads were cut off. And some people were even sawed in half. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 says. So, so there's people that have suffered. But he says, and no matter what anybody does to your body. How I many of y'all know this is not your home? No matter how much persecution you endure. How I many of y'all know that, this, that we're, you're just in an earth suit? Right now, that's really what you're in. You're wearing an earth suit. And your earth suit allows you to live on this planet. But there will come a day whenever your earth suit runs out of oxygen. And then you're going to be what you were always intended to be. Your spirit is going to take to the sky. So no matter what anybody does to you, no matter how you're persecuted, this is not your home. So Jesus said that we have to carry this attitude of we're eternally minded. It's nice. We got lots of stuff. And we get to do all types of stuff. We're so and everything's just enjoyable. I want a speedboat. Well, you can have lots of stuff. But your attitude always has to be, this is not my home. I have lots of stuff, but don't no stuff have me. I'm eternally minded. And that enables me to, whenever I have to do things I don't want to do, even for the sake, even maybe to the point of death, it doesn't matter. I'm eternally minded, blessed. So, so these are eight attitudes that Jesus gave us. That we have to bring into our soul. And I'm just encouraging you this week to take it that as we do this fasting. We've talked about our body. Now we're talking about our mind. To whatever adjustments need to be made. Because you can have a winning attitude. Like yes I fell 60 feet off of a tower. But you can still. But you can be unmerciful. Right. And you can maybe not be a peacemaker. Right. So there's other attitudes that Jesus would say are even more trump or even more important than just having a winning overcoming attitude now i want to switch gears because uh, the, the associations that you have will play into this a lot i mean i know the people that you associate with they make a big big determining factor of your attitude and, and how you view things and how you live you say it like this if you show me your friends i'll show you your future Pretty simple. That there's two things that I, I don't have to be a prophet and I don't have to be a fortune teller, right? That, that if you show me two things, if you show me what you do every day and if you show me who you hang out with, I can show you where you'll be in five years. I can, I can predict your future and not just me, anybody could do that, right? So what we do daily defines us. If, you, if, I, if I watch you and see what you do every day, I can predict your future. But also, if, if I see who you hang out with, that's where, that's where you're going. And we've all experienced this, right? There was a time in my life whenever I ran with a certain group of people. And if I still was running with that certain group of people, how many of y'all know I would be where that group of people is, right? right? So I had to change my associations, which then changed my soul. And once I changed my associations, it made such a huge impact on my life. And the Bible's real clear. The Bible says there's certain people you just need to stay away from. It's really weird because you think as a Christian that the, that the Bible wouldn't tell you to just flat out stay away from them. He, well, I'll show you in just a second. He actually says don't even eat with them. Don't even hang out with them. Do not be around these type of people, which is pretty strong. But there's a, there's a passage of, there, there's two things. Uh, as I was praying this morning and this is not in your notes the Lord just uh, revealed or showed to me uh, the, 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 the Lord's table and the Bible says that God prepares a table before us that he makes a table in my home I have a dining room table that seats 12 that's a big table 
Now, we've taken some of the leaves out because we don't want that many people over. <laughs> well, we don't have seating for all that. So right now, we've got seating for eight. You know, that's gracious money. Uh, but it's a big table. And you can imagine if you've ever seen the Lord's table, that he's got all of his disciples going down that table. And back then, they would sit on the ground. And the Lord just showed me uh, th this morning as I was praying. Just the table that's covered with food. And people positioned around that table. But you know the people at this end of the table. They can't reach what's on the Lord's table at this end. So sometimes, many times. God has a table prepared for you. It's a table but it's not a table where you're just sitting there by yourself. No, it's a big table and there's people positioned around that table. And, and if you aren't willing to accept these people that God puts in your life. That's why uh, we feel that small groups are important. And, and, and different times where, where we get together. Church is important. Because whenever God prepares a table for us. Uh, he puts people around that table. And in your life, God puts people to help you reach things that he has for you. God's prepared some stuff for you, but you can't reach it. How many of you ever sat at a table like that? And you say, pass the potatoes. Why? Because the potatoes were prepared. But the potatoes are at the opposite end of the table. But, but those potatoes, they're available to you. So what do you say? You say, pass the potatoes. Please give me some of them potatoes. Right? Pass the mac and cheese. And down through the people comes what God has prepared for you. So sometimes we go through life not willing to recognize the people around us. Or we're just trying to stretch and reach what God has for us. And it's just outside our grips. But God's put people around you. That if you'll recognize them. If you'll value that relationship. He's put them there to help you reach what he has for you. All you got to do is just say pass the potatoes. And what God prepared for you. He'll just move it. Right down to you. There's a story in the Old Testament. And I'll close with this. And, and it's 2 Samuel chapter 22 verse 2. Again it's not in your notes. But it's a great passage of scripture. This is David. David's on the run for his life. And we know David as being you know Goliath killer and all this. But at this point in the story Saul is trying to kill David. And David is hiding in the, what's called the cave of Abdullah. And he's hiding there. And he's hiding there with 400 men. If you could put that up there, Josh. It's 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse number 2. Put it up in the NIV. David's hiding in this cave. He's being hunted like a dog by the king. And he's got 400 men that have gravitated towards him. And what I want you to see is I want you to see what, how the Bible describes these 400 men. Y'all got it? Huh? Two? I think I'm telling you right. I find. Nope, that's not right. I lied to y'all. 
All right, hold on. I'll find it. Here it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, uh, did I, I said Second Samuel. It's First Samuel chapter 22. My apologies. Technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but give me NIV. David's hiding out in this cave, and 400 men come to them. But I want you to see what type of men they were. It says, those who were in distress, in debt, and discontented, gathered around him. How many of y'all know he wished that the Lord would have sent him some better people? (laughs) (laughs) Lord, I really wish you could have gathered a better army than these folks here. You sent me people that are distressed. They're freaking out. They think, we're going to die. We're going to die. Saul's going to kill us. Saul's going to kill us. They're in debt. They're broke. And they're discontented. That just means they're just not satisfied. But they gathered around them. And he became what? Their commander. I love that. David took these 400 men. And if you fast forward. If you go into 2 Samuel. It talks about. It calls them David's mighty men. For the rest of the Bible. That's how they're referred to. As David's mighty men. There's something about association and there's something about the people that we spend our lives with and the people that we hang out with that they can take us from distressed, discontent, unsatisfied, broke people. And if we'll allow those people to pass the potatoes, right? If we'll recognize those relationships and value those relationships and honor those relationships and position ourselves within those relationships, then we go from being this type of individual to being remembered. They're not remembered as this, right? Nobody remembers this. You maybe you probably never read this scripture before in your life. Some of you maybe have. But they're remembered as, from then on, David's mighty men. His mighty men. And if you go on, if you read about David's mighty men, it talks about all the people that they killed. And they, it, it's amazing. It talks about the fact that, that they would kill Just to get David a cup of water. David would say, I'm thirsty. And they're like, we'll go into the Philistines and get you a cup of water. And David has to call them off. I mean, they're just like, they'll do anything. Why? Well, because that that, that association taught them how to come out of some of that stuff. So it's important for us. In order for us to have the, 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 the attitudes of the Beatitudes, to, to have the certain, the, the appropriate people around us so that we can come out of our funk, not stay there and become mighty men of valor. So in order to do that, we got we to gotta attach ourselves to the right people and we got to disassociate with the wrong people. There's four blanks I gave you there that the Bible says that we should disassociate from. Not just this four, there's others, but these are the four I wanted to highlight. And the first he says, he says, don't hang out with lazy people. It's really clear, blatantly clear. And I'll give you a couple of these because we've got a couple of minutes left. I've got a couple of minutes. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 6. He says, on orders backed by our master Jesus... You're to refuse to have anything to do with those who among you who are lazy and refuse to work the way we taught you. Don't permit them to freeload on the rest. We showed you how to pull your weight where we, when we were with you. So get on with it. You're in the message. You got it? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. You're in 1 Thessalonians. 
He says, we didn't sit around on our hands expecting others to take care of us. We worked our fingers to the bone because we didn't want you to have the burden of us. And he says, we simply wanted to provide an example of diligence, hoping it would prove contagious. And then this is the verse that we all know. It's, don't you remember the rule that we had when we lived with you? If you don't work, you don't what? We all know that one, right? That's a good daddy verse. I mean, that's a daddy verse right there. That's a papa verse. You don't want to work? Well, don't eat. Right? I'm hungry. <laughs> Get your butt out there and mow the grass. That's my daddy. <laughs> I don't want to. Then don't eat. If we don't work, we don't eat. So he says here, he says, he says, if you hang out with lazy people, you're probably going to go nowhere. If I can see your friends, I can see your future. The second people, he says, don't hang out with are angry people. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. He says, don't make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who's easily angered, or you will learn their ways and get ensnared. How many of y'all know angry people raise angry people? Abusive people, they raise abusive people. Right? That, that's just because seeds are planted that if, 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 if God doesn't come in and help them pluck up that thing and cast it into the sea, it will bear fruit in their life. It's just a matter of time. Because seeds, they always produce of their own kind is what the Bible says. And we know this, right? You plant apples, you get apples. You're not going to get oranges. So he says, you got to watch out. You can't hang out with people that are chronically angry. If you have chronically gossipy, pessimistic, angry friends, he says, you bet you need to watch it. Third person, he says, don't hang out with people that are immoral. First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 13 in the message. He says, I wrote to you in my earlier letter that you shouldn't make yourselves at home among the sexually promiscuous I didn't mean that you should have nothing to do with the outsiders of that sort or with crooks or whether blue collar or white collar or with spiritual phonies for that matter. You'd have to leave the world entirely to do that. In other words, you're not going to get away with these people. But watch this. He says, he says, but I'm saying you shouldn't act as if everything is just fine when a friend who claims to be a Christian is promiscuous or crooked, is flippant with God or rude to friends gets drunk or becomes greedy and predatory. You can't just go along with this, treating it as acceptable behavior. I'm not responsible for what the outsiders do, but don't, but don't we have some responsibility to those within our community of believers? God decides on the outsiders, but we need to decide on our brothers and sisters when they're out of line. And if necessary, clean house. Drop the microphone. It's one of them moments right there. It's just like, put out. Clean house. Love it. Last one. Unbelieving. So I'm going to leave that last one there and let you, let you chew on that. No, no need to exonerate that passage of Scripture. Or exasperate, not exonerate. We can't do that. The last one is, though, unbelieving. I heard Kenneth Hagin say this years ago. He says, I'd rather have a, doubt, a, a dope peddler than a doubt peddler. In my church. He, just said, he says. You really don't want doubt peddlers. Around you. People that just peddle. Unbelief. And doubt. The verse here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says. Don't team up with those. Who are unbelievers. 
How can righteous be a partner with wickedness? And how can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a, part, how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? So our associations matter. They affect our soul. They determine, they help determine whether or not we're going to be poor in spirit, whether or not we're going to be peacemakers, whether or not we're going to be merciful, whether or not we're going to be generous, whether or not we're going to serve and have that type of attitude, whether or not we're going to be humble and walk the way he wants us, the attitude he wants us to have. So we started with a great story, a person with a great attitude, and it's really commendable. How many of y'all know I believe we should have all the attitudes that Jesus laid out, not just one that wins the Super Bowl, right? Or not just one that, 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 that overcomes in, in one area. Come on, we want to stand before God. We want to bring things in line now to where we just say, I've, I've been unforgiving. I've been unmerciful. I've, I haven't been a peacemaker. Or I've been associating with people that, 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 that I need to, even if it's for a season, you know, there was a time in my life where I just had to close the door on some associations, right? I just had to tell some people, listen, this is, this is, not, this is a season where I can't, I can't be friends with you. And we picked that friendship back up years later in a very limited platform. In other words, that I'm, I'm the leader, right? And if you want to follow me, we're going this direction. Right, as for me and my house, this is the direction we want to go. And we can be great friends. And I'm still friends with a lot of, a lot of people that I'm thinking of. But, 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 but we have to take the initiative, right? That we're the leaders. That, that we have the attitude that he's laid out for us. Mm-hmm.